there in Romans 10. love for you to join me there, Romans 10. Hope you guys are doing well. We're so glad you're here. We do appreciate every one of you, whether you're here in person, joining us online. I know these are crazy times we're living in, uncertainty, anxiety, lots of emotions, lots of feelings, and we appreciate our congregation, appreciate all of our members, uh, visitors who come our way, we appreciate you as well, and just pray that God will keep working and He will use us as people to be what we need to be during these times, give people some hope and encouragement and something to hang on to that transcends these temporal experiences that we go through from time to time, you know. As I was thinking about this lesson today, as we think about what it means to confess, I couldn't help but, I couldn't help but be reminded of how so often when we read biblical texts like Romans 10, for example, or others that we're going to look at today, that we need to do a couple of things. One is we need to, th- we need to think about how these, these words were interpreted originally. You know, we've talked about this before. You, you know that. When you, when you read a text, you, one, of the, one of the basic things of reading it properly is to try to think about how it was read originally, what the writer was thinking, the best you can tell, what his readers may have been thinking, best you can tell, what was going on in their world. And, and, and another thing, once you, once you kind of wrestle with that for a bit, then you think about, okay, having understood that, how do I read it now? You know, because circumstances have changed a little bit. How do other people in the world read this text? You know, what does it mean to them? And I was thinking about it this week with things going on in the world today, and we're, of course, going through some difficult times in the world, in our own country, certainly, with, uh, with unrest and anxiety, and, 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 and you know everything that's going on. But it's in, in the middle of all of that, there's still things, there are still things going on in the world where it is illegal to be a Christian, you know? It... When we talk about confession, Romans 10, 9 and 10, this text Matt read for us. When, when Paul writes that, when he says that you confess with your mouth, you confess with your mouth, usually the way that we read that, and there's nothing wrong with reading it this way, we're talking about what has happened in this building hundreds of times over the years and other places around at camp and in people's homes and different places where someone stands with me at the front of the building or someone stands with, with someone who's going to baptize them. And, uh, and I asked them, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And that person will say, I do. I, I, I believe. I believe. That is what Paul's talking about in Romans 10. I believe, I believe that completely. I don't believe that's all he's talking about. But, but at its essence, that is so crucial. When, when we stand here, or we stand in this baptistry, you stand at camp or somewhere, and you say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you are agreeing with, you are saying the same thing as God about who Jesus is, about his identity. That's what, that's what it means to confess. And so, you know, when we, when we look at this idea, we confess Christ in order to be saved, that's what we're talking about. And that's the way it is sometimes used in Scripture. And I was thinking about how, you know, that, that thing, that, that moment is, would be experienced in different ways by people in different parts of the world. You take, for example, I saw this documentary thing a few months back about believers in North Korea. Uh, you guys know something about, we don't know a, a lot about what goes on in North Korea because it's so 
closed off from the world, but there are people who have slipped in and, you know, they give some details about what it's like to live in that country. And, and, uh, but this particular documentary I saw was about Christians in North Korea and their, and their kind of experience there. And, and, I, and I think it's important for us to understand what confession means for us. We can't allow it to kind of lose some of its meaning when we, when we don't remember that it is a life-altering, destiny-changing moment. It is more than just saying something. Words can be meaningless, you know. It's, it's more than just uttering certain words that somebody wants us to say. It is an open affirmation that we identify ourselves with the resurrected Jesus Christ and we are submitting to Him as our Lord and Savior. In North Korea, in, in, in parts of China, in, in, in places like Iran, and Iraq, and other places in the Middle East, and other parts of the world, you stand up and say that. And you'll likely be imprisoned or maybe executed. Because people know what that means. If you stand up and you confess your identity with Jesus Christ, it means that is changing your life. And so I struggle a little bit, you know, and, and I hope you struggle with this as well, um, to try to read this as 21st century Western Christians in, in, in a, a part of the world where, yes, things are changing, it seems, and and yes, we, we worry a little bit about religious freedom and what it's going to look like in the coming years. I'm not saying those are concerns that we ought not have. On, only that I think maybe this is a moment as well where we ought to think about what confession means for a lot of people in the world right now. They can't walk down to the front of a building. They can't have a building, number one. But confession is a big thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge thing. So this text, you know, this Romans 10 text, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that, that word there, that Jesus is Lord, you know what that means? Jesus is Lord. We've studied this here at Hoover before, uh, but he is using, he's, he's reflecting this, this Old Testament idea of uh, this Old Testament description of God, of Yahweh, right? Y-H-W-H, it's usually all caps, you know, you'll see it. You'll see it written like that. It's this covenant name that God, God, God gave himself and he gave it to the people of Israel at, at, uh, in Exodus 3 is where we see it explained when Moses is at the burning bush and Moses says, or God says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want to rescue your people. And Moses says, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not able. I, they're not going to believe me and all these excuses. And God said, when you go there, tell them I am that I am sent you. Remember that, that conversation? That I am. That's, that's Yahweh. That God's self-identifying as the eternally existing being that transcends, who transcends all of our experiences. He has no beginning, he has no end. That's Yahweh. So when Paul says, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, everyone, every Jewish person certainly reading this would have read that to understand what Paul means. You're confessing that Jesus is Yahweh. He is not just a good man, not just a rabbi, not just a good teacher, not just a miracle worker, but he is to be identified with the God who is eternal, the omniscient, omnipotent, 
omnipresent, omnibenevolent being who created the world and everything that is, right? So that's what, they, that's what that means. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's, I just I want you to know, and I guess you, you already know this, but maybe just for emphasis sake, just know that this ought never be a trite kind of mouthing of words uh, uh, where, we, where we just say something. Words mean something. And confession is, is huge. It's not just a one-time thing either. And I appreciate Josh's thoughts and his prayer that reflected that realization that it's not just something we do once. And I want to talk more about that as we go through this lesson today. In fact, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Let me read these two verses to you. You can turn there if you like, but these will be familiar to many of you. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Listen to Jesus. So everyone who acknowledges me, by the way, in the ESV, that acknowledge, that's the same, same underlying word. It's confession. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. If you look at the context of that text in Matthew 10, you'll notice that what Jesus is talking about there is in the context of persecution. In fact, back up in, uh, where is it? Verse 26, Matthew 10, 26, so six verses before. Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that, they, that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And then a few verses down below, he says, so acknowledge me. So everyone who acknowledges me. And so it's not just, in fact, I think especially in Matthew 10, it's not just something you say at the front of a building or or, or in a baptistry or in a pool or in a creek right before they immerse you into Christ. It is that, but it's beyond that. And Jesus says, he's using this word, whoever acknowledges me, whoever confesses me before people, especially in context, especially in a situation where doing so might invite persecution. Jesus is particularly concerned, hear, hear this please, he is particularly concerned about those moments where we either confess or deny him in the face of criticism. See, I guess part of what I'm getting at here is there are places where it doesn't take a whole lot of courage to stand up and say, I believe that Jesus Christ. And I think this is one of those places. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't matter. I believe with all my heart that's, that's, a, that's a big thing for us to stand up in front of a crowd or in front of a group of people and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But in the church is one thing. And everybody believes it. Everybody agrees with us. What about, what about at school on Monday afternoon when confessing Christ will make you look silly to some folks? You know, what, what, what about the workplace at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning when confessing Christ, living consistently with your principles as a Christian, will invite weird looks and, oh, wait, <laughs> what, what is, 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 she a, is she a one of those fundamentalists? Confessing it in front of a church crowd is one thing, and c- confessing it 
in, in the context of folks who might be tempted to make your life more difficult if they know that you're really committed to this Christian thing. I know we live in a Bible Belt, and it doesn't take a whole lot of courage to say I'm a Christian, really. But I, I, I do believe, and I think you agree with this, that it does take a lot of courage, really, to live the Christian life. One thing to say, hey, I'm a Christian, everybody, quote-unquote, everybody in the South is a Christian. But not everybody in the South is a Christian. Different, different ways of different ways of confessing, you know what I mean? So in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus is saying, it seems, that he's particularly concerned about those moments where confession costs you something, where it costs you something. It's an ongoing thing. Let me give you an example of this. Titus 1, 16, where the word is used in another, uh, in another context. And, and here in Titus, just well, just notice this. Let me read it to you. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God. So that word profess, by the way, in the original is the same word. All right? Same Greek word is used in all these three passages that we've already that we've looked at. Romans 10 is translated confess. Matthew 10 is translated acknowledge. Titus 1.16 is translated profess, all the same word. So they profess to know God, or they confess to know God, or they acknowledge God. That's what Paul's saying. But they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. You hear that? It's one thing for us to stand up here and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for me. I believe he was resurrected from the grave the third day. That's one thing. Very important moment. Crucial moment. Life-changing moment. That's one moment. Another moment is for people to look at what we do, not necessarily what we say, and know that we're Christians. So it might be that that 10 o'clock moment on Sunday, on, on Monday morning at work, isn't saying, standing up and saying, hey, 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 I just want everybody to know I'm a Christian. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, maybe it's that 10 o'clock moment at work on Monday morning is that you're in a position where you're going to, uh, everybody's laughing at something and, and, uh, and you're not going to laugh. Maybe it's everybody's going along with something that's unethical at, at work. And you're not going to go along with it. It might be that 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Monday, at school, when all of your friends are making fun of another girl at school. And you say, I'm not going to do that. That's wrong. See, that is confession. That's confession. It's not just what happens here. It's what happens at, at, those, at those moments, at the 10 o'clock, at the 2 o'clock, at the Friday night. It's what Paul says in Titus 1. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. Is that confession? Is that a follower of Jesus? No, I, Paul's saying that's not, that's not a Christian. God's concerned about what we say, and He's concerned about what we do. I know that's a basic idea. Everybody in here already knows that, but, uh, but, but this, it's just interesting to see the way these words are, the words are used. We confess. We confess on our way to the baptistry. We confess continually in the, in the way we live. We confess by the things that we do and don't do, the attitudes we display, 
And then, again, in 1 John 1, Paul, uh, John here uses the word in a, in a little bit of a different way, to say the same thing as God about sin. Uh, listen, to, listen to 1 John 1. I'm going to read a couple verses before it. 1 John 1, 7, and then the key words in verse 9. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from, from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. You hear what John is saying there? If we confess our sins, if we acknowledge, if we say the same thing that God says about our sins, then God will forgive us. Temptation being, of course, to say something different than what God says about our sins, to justify, to rationalize, to make excuses, to say, well, it wasn't that bad. Maybe it wasn't even wrong. I don't really think that was a sin. It was just poor judgment. Or maybe, well, I did that. It it wasn't exactly right. But if you knew my upbringing, you would know why I did that thing. Those are excuses. What confession is, is saying, I have sinned. I I have disobeyed you, God, and I acknowledge that. No excuses. I have sinned. Full stop, right? I have sinned. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just. There is no confessed sin, in the biblical sense, no confessed sin that God will not forgive. So this is confession. This is what it means. In our our one-word devotional book, the emphasis is on the first of those things that we talked about this morning, that we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, and that is life-changing. It's a crucial thing. And I hope, I know most people, especially at an 8 o'clock service, uh, most, most everybody in here has already been baptized into Christ. Maybe, maybe not everybody, but most people have. So if you have been, I, I, I want to I urge you to look back to that confession and, and remember again what it means. It, it, it's what you do today, you know, and tomorrow, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. It's, it's a life-changing moment. That confession is a, is a, a moment of your that changes your entire life. It's something that you do every day. And so just remember your confession. Remember what, you, what, what it meant. It meant Jesus is Yahweh, and you're submitting everything to him. You're, you're, you're throwing yourself down at his feet and saying, Lord, I'm yours. That's what it is. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never been baptized into Jesus, the confession is that moment as you as you're about to be baptized, where you say, as we've already said this morning, you say, I believe in him, and I am submitting my life to him. I believe that Jesus is Lord. He's God. He's resurrected. And based on that confession, you go with Jesus into the waters of baptism. You follow him into his death. You are buried with him in the tomb. You are raised up just as he was raised up. And by his blood, all of your sins are cleansed by the grace of God. Beautiful, beautiful thing based on that confession of who Jesus is to you. If you need to respond to the invitation this morning for baptism 
or for prayers. We're here for you. Let's stand. Let's sing. We invite you to come.